0: On today's episode, why first graders and pantyhose don't mix, is your brain a filthy, filthy liar, and why all dongs don't go to heaven? All that and more on today's episode of Bad Advice with Lori Beth Denver. Give me out, almighty Lori Beth Denver. Give me the vital information so I get the red right thoughts. Who
1: do yeah. The
2: church of Lori Beth is in session, and we're reading from the scriptures a vital information. So come my goddess and my savior, my
1: Just tell me what's going on with me Everyone in the world, even if you're not listening, <laughs> my shrill voice is loud enough to reach even those who have not downloaded this. <laughs> this is Lori Beth Denberg and welcome to the Bad Advice Podcast. Woo. With me as always is Clark Crozer. Hello. Hello, Clark. How are you? I'm doing well. I am interested in your plans for uh, this weekend because uh, as we are you know, putting this out into the world, Father's Day is this upcoming weekend. This weekend. And you are, as far as we know, (laughs) Lex's father.
0: That's true. That's what we tell (laughs) him. So do you have any, what are your plans? What do you got? What are you doing? Uh, You know, I'm not sure. We we really kind of blew our wad with the Disneyland trip, right? Like that was such a big day. And it wasn't just
1: monetarily. It was just... Energy-wise, like, yeah. we've got nothing left to
0: give. So, uh, originally, two years ago, you know, obviously not last year because of the pandemic, yeah. but before that, two years ago, we had an amazing Father's Day at Knott's Berry Farm.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yes, they have an amazing, like, Breakfast buffet at that you know chicken dinner place in with, the front with
1: wonderful Knott's Berry Farm jams. Yes, Excellent. it's
0: amazing. Uh, not that I think buffets live anymore, but still, <laughs> there. You know, we were thinking maybe we get a nice breakfast and then you go out and it's Knott's Berry Farm, so it's right? never super crowded. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so Knott's
1: Berry Farm is like the real redheaded stepchild. Of well, like Disneyland. But, but you
0: also have to think Magic Mountain Six Flags over mm-hmm. here in California is the bottom of the barrel. I we go we got a pass <laughs> to Six Flags Magic Mountain. Karen For, and I with a free Coke can. Yeah, and we get like free food. <laughs> they're, they're giving you anything to go to Magic Mountain. But then the the worst part is every single person that works at Magic Mountain. Could care less about anyone at Magic Mountain. They don't care about people. They don't care about the rides. They are the most aloof. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, theme park workers in the business. Oh my
1: goodness! So at
0: least the people at Knott's Berry Farm kind of like you, or pretend that they Fair like enough. you. Fair enough. So there's a that's it's a step above Magic Mountain. Did
1: you ever go to for for listeners that have been paying attention, um, or for new people, which is why I'm even saying
2: this?
1: <laughs> um, Clark worked at Universal Studios. That's right. so one of the main things he, did, I mean, he did a bunch of shows and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But you were a big part of. Is it Was it Universal Horror Nights? What was it called? Yeah,
0: Halloween Horror Nights. Halloween
1: Horror Nights, which I never went to with Clark's Blessing (laughs) because it's too scary. And I really don't like, I went to a haunted house once when I was like a kid. Yeah. And I'm sure it was a shitty haunted house. I'm sure I had no business being in there with my great family saying, here's what we're doing. Right. And just like someone jumped out at me and it was so upsetting. Yeah. I don't like that. Well,
0: not to mention at the time that I was doing uh, Halloween Horror Nights, you were still deep, deep into your fear of costume characters. Yes, correct. You just could not stand being around costume characters. And I'm like, well, this is a a living nightmare everywhere around you. There's people in like masks and fuzzy outfits. Clark was
1: always really like don't worry about it. i always go see you in your place, yeah. like school, like yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, you were always but very like, supportive. I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I'm really sorry. And you're like, it's okay. But they also do Not Scary Farm. So yes. have you been there for that? And how does it compare?
0: I love Not Scary Farm. So Not Scary Farm was was the, the start of it. Like that's, Not Scary Farm was the beginning oh. of the Halloween events here in LA. It wasn't until I think the 80s that Universal started doing it. And then uh, they had a tram, was part of the, the Halloween Horror Nights in the original version. Okay. Uh, and that ended up running over somebody that was working there. Oh,
1: that's not good. Uh,
0: so many times that they thought it was part of the gore of the Halloween oh, event. Oh, Jesus. It was really a horrible story. Very gruesome. Okay. But they stopped doing Halloween Horror Nights because of it, and they didn't pick it up until the mid-90s, which is when I showed up. Yeah. So um, it's okay. I always thought about it this way. Halloween Horror Nights at Universal was quality over quantity. Okay. There was only like four or five mazes, but they were goddamn amazing. They were built by, you know, movie people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know? Whereas Knott's, there's 15 mazes- But half of them look like they were stapled together, (laughs) you know, and the people that are, you know, yelling and trying to scare you just have like some red, like makeup smeared (laughs) across their face. Like nothing professional is done there. Gotcha. But yeah, so those are the difference between Was the it two. strawberry
1: jam on your face? Exactly. It was if you're wondering, s- listener, but Knott's Berry Farm has like Knott's Berry Farm yeah. is a thing. Yeah. And they make jams and jellies and stuff. Yeah. And a theme park as well, I guess, sprung out. <laughs> so I guess what we're saying is to all the fathers out there, when you're planning what you want to do for Father's Day, we're telling you what you can do next Halloween. <laughs> Exactly. That's so this exactly went right. off the rails a little bit, but little I, bit. it wouldn't be bad advice with Lori Beth Bumberg <laughs> if it stayed on the rails.
0: Well, speaking of which, are you ready for some questions? Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's move on uh, to our first question of the day. we could start helping some people out. And I'm uh, very uh, interested to see what you're going to think of this first question. Okay. Uh, it's from somebody named LB. Oh. But like- not your LB. It's not L. It's not the letters LB. It's like E-L-B-E-E. Okay, okay. LB, maybe like a name, you know. Uh, And LB says, hi, LB, the letters. (laughs) I have been seeing this guy for the past six months and everything is going so well. A few nights ago, we both agreed we are at a point in the relationship to go past first base. When we got intimate, I discovered he is ridiculously endowed. I ended up making up an excuse not to have sex. Honestly, it scares me, and I cannot fathom a relationship enduring that kind of pain. Here's my dilemma Is it shallow of me to break it off with him due to his size, or should I talk to him about it?
1: Bitch, please! <laughs> Is this like an LB from a parallel universe yeah, this, where she can get hot dick this and is, I'm in mine?
0: This is the LB with the with the goatee.
1: Yes. Right? <laughs> okay, LB. First of all, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just say bitch, please. I can hear <laughs> that you have concerns. However, take a breath. Yeah. And talk to this guy.
0: Yeah.
1: A, you already really like him. You've been going out for six months. Somehow, you've, you know, he hasn't been pushing things. And maybe it's because he knows when a chick sees my monster hog, she gets worried and sad. And runs away in fear. And runs away screaming. (laughs) And so, you really, you know, like this guy. Yeah. Six months of him. Yeah, six months. Is is a lot. Going So so well. Maybe taking a step back.
0: Maybe a couple of steps, depending on <laughs> how big he is.
1: <laughs> Take a step back from your immediate reaction of like, if that goes in my vagina, my head's gonna explode. <laughs> and and just look at it, look at it from his point of view. Yeah. Of he really likes you, too, and he and he must because if he was just some guy that was like, look at my giant dick, let's fuck, it wouldn't be six months of, like, holding hands and first baseness. Right. So look at it that way, but also, you know, there's a million different kinds of sex. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's It's not just, like... Sex isn't something you have to endure,
0: (laughs) you know, on a good day. It's true.
1: You know, and and you just talk to him and say, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And, you know, you'll probably get a thing from him where it's like he's carrying that. I mean, his lower back must hurt if he's carrying that. (laughs) But like he's carrying that emotionally knowing, yeah, I, you know, I I like girls and this, but I can't, you know, I'm just I'm a lot to deal with.
0: Well, plus, if you've been dating him for six months and he clearly is into you, Mm -hmm. maybe he's done. He's gone through this before and scared away girls before. Maybe he has different techniques that he likes to use that doesn't include the whole. Your, you know what I'm saying? Your, like, your hip bones jutting out <laughs> to the right and left. Exactly. It, yeah. Who knows? Maybe he has a, a fixer, a, a runaround. Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
1: Well, MPS, and by the way, Your vagine is designed for a baby to come out of it. Yeah, that's true. So it's got some more room going on than we think. I know when we put a tampon up, it's like, well, that barely fits. But um, Clark, you know what I'm talking about.
0: I do. Uh,
1: But yeah, please, please talk to him. If for nothing else, then he, you know... If you were like, oh, let's go to the next, oh my God, I have an early squash game. Yeah, I cannot look you in the eye because your penis is 10 feet long. What
0: we don't know is that like two minutes later, he was out in his car screaming at his giant cock. Yeah. Thanks again, dickhead.
1: Fine dickhead.
0: (laughs) He's literally screaming at his dickhead.
1: (laughs) And then his sentient cock goes, hey man, I thought
0: you'd be cool.
1: (laughs) if you really like this guy LB talk to him yes please talk to him and talk to him not only about your fears but which there's a lot of room to maneuver (laughs) with that what kind of sex how do we use lube do we whatever I mean use lube why not um but also if he's someone you care about He's going through this too on his end.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: you know, it's. I'm think of it like I'm kind of thinking of it like, well, no guy's gonna like me because I'm fat, you know. And he's like, I'll never, you know, I won't be able to find someone because nobody can fathom my, you know,
0: giant whale cock.
1: Yeah, my giant whale cock being like a good thing. <laughs> I'm gonna say right now, I think it could be a good thing. <laughs>
0: I'm you know what I'm going to say? Saying. I'm going to say that Arnold Schwarzenegger did not come out uh, of his mother's vagina bulked up. Ah. It takes time. You got to work at it. You got to stretch. You got to build <laughs> some muscles. Yeah. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you can take this dude. You just got to work on it slowly, day after day, yeah. month after month. You can work your way up to it.
1: But and he has got to want to work with you. Which it kind of seems like you've got that going on after six months. Six months
0: months with only getting to first base. This guy's got a patience.
1: Now, last week, we asked somebody uh, who was worried about wearing their bikini of plus size women. Right, right. And I said, send me a picture. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to throw that out again.
0: Right. Just to see, like, what does she mean?
1: I really, I want to know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So if you want to send a picture, hopefully the file will be small enough to and be able to email. maybe
0: put your forearm in the picture just for like you can tell the size difference. You know, yeah, per- we need some Perspective. Something.
1: Put put a put a gallon of milk next to it so we can really get perspective. <laughs> exactly. I don't think that um, this should be a deal breaker. No, I really don't. And seriously, I mean, I know it's just joking and being really crass and like (laughs) shitting on your emotional problems, (laughs) but not really. Like, I understand your emotion. I I understand your fear, but I am also, like I've said, really seeing it from his point of view. This is something he's having to deal with. And it's like, again, I can't, you know, every time I like a girl and, you know, what's he going to do about it?
0: Exactly. And if, you know, this is a problem he's had before. Maybe he would be willing to wait another year just for you to slowly work your way <laughs> to the point.
1: No, I don't think it'll be that bad. I you think know. that it's just a matter of going slow, yeah. and trusting each other and all that kind of eye-rolling shit that people say, which is absolutely true.
0: That's right, absolutely. Uh, LB, I hope yes. that helps. Oh, oh no, oh, no, yeah, uh, LB. LB uh, oh, uh, LB. this is going to
1: be a nightmare. <laughs>
0: I hope that helps. Uh, And uh, yes, please send Lori Beth uh, pictures. Um, Question number two is from Ryan. And Ryan says, hi, Lori Beth. I'm so thrilled to get to hear you again after you playing such a significant role in my childhood as an entertainer and role model. You inspired me in my youth to pursue things I would not have done, like acting in school plays and participating in variety shows. Memories I could, miss, I could have missed out on without seeing others I could relate to out there doing it. As for my question, I'm a person in long-term recovery. Having gotten sober relatively young, my experience has been one of relationships and education coming later in life. I am currently 12 years sober and have a long-term relationship with my partner who I live with and am actively pursuing a bachelor's degree in environmental planning and getting a master's in geology after to pursue my newly found career goals. Working with different advisors who are providing really good support and my relationship going really well, I find myself as a recovery person, having the creeping thoughts of being an imposter cropping up every off uh, very often recently. Like, who am I to think I could be a scientist? And nobody will hire you or take you seriously because you came from where you did. Things I've learned over the years to know to be false and have only the power I give to them. So my question, finally, is... Do you ever find yourself feeling like an imposter at moments where you are feeling the most successful and on the right path? And how do you actively practice turning down the volume on the shitty committee in your head if those voices start to feel like they are affecting your progress? Thanks for taking the time to look at my question. I've always been a fan and I'm looking forward to the Million Hugs Tour making its way to New York City, where I'm from. Much love, Ryan. Ryan. Ryan.
1: Wow. There's a lot in there. Yeah. And the answer to your question is yes. When things are going well and I'm successful and everyone's telling me how great I am and how, I mean, you started by saying how great I am and you love me from when you were a kid and I inspired you. And all I'm thinking is like, oh, what haven't I gotten done today? (laughs) Absolutely. There's this feeling of being an imposter. And, you know, especially when things are successful before, you know, the only thing I fear more than failure is success. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: It's,
1: it's like, how am I going to deal with things if they're good?
0: <laughs> like if
1: they're good, I have something to lose. Right. At least if everything's shitty and I'm in the status quo and I'm going back like Ryan and me, like before we were sober. Right. And that's a big, big part of a lot of people needing to get sober. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's a big part of the, a lot of people getting into addiction.
0: Right. It's just,
1: I feel like shit. I'm nothing, Right. I, you know, I, right off the bat. It's like, yeah, I, I was so awkward. I couldn't, I had a couple drinks or I smoked a joint and right. suddenly I was part of the crowd.
0: The need to escape reality.
1: Yeah. Or it's like, now that I'm doing this drug or drink, now I am a normal person. Right. I am starting this persona to you.
0: Right. And
1: even then I'm like, but you don't really know that I'm, you know, such a loser. And I had to even have these drinks to talk to you. Yeah. So uh, with a lot of people in addiction, like I've spoken to many in my yeah. life yep. and congratulations on 12 years sober. That's yeah.
0: awesome. Amazing.
1: You know, a lot of us share that same feeling of if anyone really knew me they would hate me yeah. if anyone really knew me they wouldn't ever want to talk to me again but i think what you know you found Ryan cuz you even said in your question like the shitty committee you know they're not true but um the thing that i've learned i have to do is share things with my friends and with my support people and Let them tell me what's true. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole thing about, you know, being an alcoholic, drug addict, all that kind of stuff is that, you know, I want, I I want the world to be a certain way. Yeah. And I'm going to use drugs and alcohol if it's not so I can pretend it is. Yeah.
0: You know, it's this whole
1: fucking just denial of reality. Yeah. And, you know, then what happens, as Ryan knows, but I'll tell you, Clark, since you're so clean living, (laughs) you know, you can drink and use and drink and use and try to blot that out. And eventually it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Either it just doesn't work anymore or you're failing so horribly, like physically or whatever it is that your body can't take it anymore. Right. Or, you know, it's just shit is so fucked up from me ignoring it Mm -hmm. and not wanting to deal with anything that shit is so fucked up, even being drunk won't work
0: to blot it out. Right, right.
1: So, and and that's like what I really hear, Ryan, in your question is like that feeling still going on. You know, all the shit in our head is still there. Yeah. Like all the reasons I drank and used and all that shit are still there and now I have different tools and different support systems to deal with them but I still lag behind the group man Mm. you know I just I was with Clark outside at his house and um you know my best friend called me to be like have you done this like you know I have to turn I have to turn my shit over to other people yeah because they can see Me better than I can. Yeah, yeah. And they can see what's going on better than I can. And they can just call me on my bullshit when I'm way over the edge. What I have trouble with is seeing progress in myself. Yeah. And that's a big thing that I'm hearing from you, Ryan, is like, how could I be a horrible drug addict, alcoholic, and now I'm going to be a scientist? Right. But you've done 12 years worth of shit (laughs) in between then and now.
0: Exactly.
1: So it might help to trace your steps backwards.
0: Yeah. It wasn't
1: like you got sober and got your 30-day chip or whatever and were like, Harvard, here I come. (laughs) You know, you obviously took a class here later in life. You said you, you know, went to education. Yeah later in life you went education that's my uh, that's my standard harvard was not calling me um you know so maybe if you are feeling that way like honestly i'm a big like hard copy tactile person yeah you know make a timeline yeah of you know the last 12 years Say yeah. here's my sobriety date here's the first class i took Here's the first A I got, you know, track your progress and the work you've done to get to the place where you're like, I'm going to be a fucking scientist now. I don't think so. Yeah. Because you've put in the work. I mean, ideally, I hope you're not going to be like an (laughs) evil, horrible scientist. (laughs) But, um, you know, you have put in the work step for step, year for year to get to the place where you're doing these bigger, more accomplished things. Yep. I understand feeling like a friggin' imposter. I I feel it all the time. And uh I just think that I'm the last person to ask anything about
0: me. Mm. Yeah. And listen, this is to you, Lori Beth, and to Ryan as well. Uh everyone is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Everyone is. There is no perfect human out there that doesn't screw up, that doesn't make mistakes, that doesn't have things in their history that they're embarrassed of, that they're ashamed of. You know, everyone has horrible things. It, it's not just you, you know, It it, it is you're not alone here. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you're the only person that has these feelings of inadequacy. Well, I'm, I'm because... pretty sure Ryan is worse than most. <laughs> maybe, maybe.
1: And that's just because I identify with him so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying it, it might help when somebody when those voices are saying how horrible you are to remember everyone's fucking horrible. Even if you are horrible, who cares? Yeah. (laughs) You got to where you are. You're a fucking scientist. Be proud of that. Right? You know? Represent. Yeah, seriously. All right. Well, uh, if that's good, we're good. So hopefully, Ryan, uh, that will help and uh, you can write us back and let us know how you're doing. Uh, But, until then, let's move on. So, we've got our third question of the day from uh, a lovely lady named Jennifer. Okay. Jennifer has a very quick question. Are you ready for this? Okay. Here's the question. Any advice on how to teach a nine-year-old how to ride a bike? Oh, wow. Yeah. Jennifer, that was? That was Jennifer. Okay, Jennifer, I'm going to
1: lay something out for you. Yeah. I don't have any advice because I do not know how to ride a bike. What? What? I do not know how to ride a bike. What, really? I never learned. I don't know if this was a, you know, uh, another component of my unsafe childhood <laughs>
0: with zero <laughs> trust. And filled with horror. Uh, yeah, but uh. I
1: never learned to ride a bike. And I tried to, when I was, God, 20, 23, 24 or something, wow. I was working with a, a personal trainer and i bought myself this really nice bike oh huh. i'm like i want to learn to ride a bike yeah and it's kind of true what they say you know that like you know you can learn as a kid because you're fearless right and then me i'm like i'm gonna fall down directly on my skull <laughs> this is gonna be the rashiest road rash knee in history <laughs> you know and i i never really got the hang of it. I never had that feeling of like, I'm just riding my bike. I was always trying to learn.
0: Did you ever have adult training wheels? Oh no. That would feel like the best way. Like that would have been my advice to Jennifer is try training wheels first.
1: Interesting. Clark, where were you during my entire childhood? You were right there there. living with your goddamn nice parents who loved you. Riding my bike. What a bad deal I had. Jesus. Um, So, yes, I guess training, but you know what's funny? Uh, Jennifer, we'll get back to you in a minute. At least I know she's not suffering emotionally with this. Yeah, exactly. Because I really did think in hindsight, I go, if I could have ridden a bike and just gone. Yeah out yeah and ridden miles a i mean i would have been able to get out of my house which is a bad deal yeah i would have been getting exercise who knows if that would have made a difference yeah and so i really lamented that at some point that i never learned but there's a lot of things i never learned because (laughs) of you know my whole life yeah but um yes training wheels training wheels would have helped well, and they might help um, Jennifer's yeah, kid.
0: absolutely. Nine years old. So
1: you can ride a bike though, Clark?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I can oh, ride a used bike. used to
1: ride bikes to lunch when we worked together.
0: Yeah, when we were at the advertising agency, there was my uh, my partner that I worked with the most. Ricardo. Ricardo. He wanted to, you know, start working out. He was having another kid. I was like, okay, well, I'll work out with you. And I bought a bike and we started biking every day to the Rose Bowl. It was nice. pretty awesome. Um, but you know, biking is, is hard, man. It is a lot. And I am not, I'm a big guy. Mm -hmm. I am not an exerciser as uh, some would say, Uh, but it's like we, every single day I would ride that bike at lunch with Ricardo and we'd ride over to the Rose bowl And luckily, there was a really fun street that you got to uh, roll down Ah. when you're going into the Rose Bowl. I'm like, oh, it's so fun. You get to speed up and you're zipping by people and you're not pedaling. You're just coasting for like (laughs) half a mile. It was great. And then you go around the Rose Bowl once or twice. And then the worst part happens. Uh-oh. You have to go back up that goddamn hill. Oh, dear. And I swear to God, I did not. I'm a big guy. I am a strong guy. I can lift stuff and uh, throw it in the back of it. Like, I'm a big, strong guy. Yeah. I could not pedal up that hill. Oh, man. I got. I struggled so hard. I had to eventually just get off and walk my bike up the rest of the hill. Wow. Because it was just so hard on my legs. Biking is is rough. You got to you got to really work at it for a while, you know. Jennifer,
1: what kind of mom are you that you want your 9-year-old to go through that?
0: <laughs> just get a just get a scooter. Just get a- just, Scooters are good enough. <laughs> get that scooter that old people
1: can get with zero down from Medicare. <laughs> exactly. I think we go with um first of all, Jennifer, yeah. we go with the helmet yes. and the knee pads and yes. the, and the elbow pads. Yes. So that you know little nine year old knows well, then that's funny. It's like how dangerous is this that I have to be wearing a suit of armor, Mom? yeah, seriously, but you know, taking those precautions and definitely the training wheel training wheel situation, yeah, 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 Maybe it doesn't I take should that get long another bike and get training wheels
0: honestly on it. i I feel like the training wheel part really it just is for that intro getting onto the bike. And feeling comfortable and balanced. Yeah. And you're riding around and you get that feeling of balance so that when you take off those training wheels, it's it really is so much easier. Do
1: you have to take them on?
0: No, you could keep them on. You could get one of those cool, like, it's almost like a tricycle, like an adult tricycle with three two wheels oh, in the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you never have to worry about balance.
1: I could do that. I mean, I'd still find a way to fall over. And
0: then I can stand on the little ledge in the back and then hold on while you're (laughs) pedaling.
1: We can do Back to the Future and you can grab onto the back while you're on your (laughs) hoverboard. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Jennifer, let us know how it goes.
0: Yeah, take a video for us to laugh at. Yes. And then uh, send it to us. No, we won't. Well, we totally would laugh at it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. I really uh, appreciate that. But This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID
1: goes
2: behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward,
1: no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform episodes come out weekly on mondays
0: but now i'm very excited and speaking of kids what i've got a very special rotating segment <sighs> of the week yes it is time for voice from the past and now mad advice presents voice from the past all right, so today uh, we have uh, an amazing guest with us. We've been wanting this guest for the entire time we've been doing the show, I think. Yep. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is our first and second grade teacher, Mrs. Valerie Plaisons. Welcome.
2: Oh, pa- oh, thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Hi, Laurie. <laughs> Hi, how are Hi, you? Mark. Hello. <laughs> I'm visualizing your two sweet, adorable faces from way back when. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure
0: you haven't changed a bit. Oh, uh, there's just more face to love. That's exactly. <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> thank you for,
1: I'm so excited and kind of nervous that you're going to do this interview for us. I don't know why. And I'm like, I don't think I can call her Valerie. I think I have to call her Mrs. Plaisance
2: uh-huh. Well, okay, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so where do you live now?
2: Uh, I'm in northeast Georgia in a suburb called Suwanee. Mm.
1: So we Clark and I were have been talking because, you know, when you're a little kid, every grown up seems like a giant grown up. Right. And then when we look back on it, we realize that that we were probably among your first, you know, classes of students. When did you start teaching?
2: Well, I started teaching in 73. Oh. um, I was a student teacher then, but Pepperdine um, always made us do overtime in student teaching. So I was already in um, uh, the 10th inning, so to speak. Gotcha. (laughs) You know, and so um, my teacher went into labor and the principal asked me if I would take over the class. Wow. Ooh,
1: called into the big show
2: yeah so that was in February, so I finished the school year as a paid teacher. Wow, instead of a Poor starving student teacher.
1: Excellent.
2: Yeah. Did you
1: induce labors in your in the teacher so that you could usurp I don't her place? <laughs> Enjoy this <laughs> spicy food while I punch you in the stomach.
2: <laughs>
1: so you'd already been teaching a while before me and Clark came to darken your doorstep.
2: Right. Um, it was my third year at Will Be Way when you guys arrived. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So by the time I met you guys, I had already taught, let's see, fifth and sixth, uh, fourth, third. Second. Okay. uh, I hadn't, and I had taught fifth, uh, first grade also, right? So I taught all the grades, and kindergarten was only as a student teacher. I taught highly gifted kindergartners as a student teacher. So I was teaching them high school math.
1: Oh, dude.
2: As kindergartners. What? (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. They did algebra
2: like it was one plus one. I mean, you know.
0: Wow. Little
2: geniuses. So uh, and then at all the schools, the principals would give me the gifted cluster for after school, so I taught an extra hour each day mm. for all the brainy kids. So I was being groomed right from the beginning, you know. Wow! To, you know, so I always wanted. Um, so the principals always gave me a, a gifted cluster within my classroom, also. So when I got to Welby Way, I found out that. Uh, Magnet was being started as a, an alternative to forced busing. where oh. parents voluntarily had their kids thrown into a mixed class. Mm-hmm. An intentional, planned out mixed class.
0: Interesting.
2: I'm all in.
0: Yes. I got to Wobby Way. So you said you started like fifth and then did third mm-hmm. and then did second. Were you like, uh, were you unhappy with the other grades? Were you working... Ugh. Your way down, like, were you trying to find that perfect grade that you wanted to stay at?
2: My perfect grade was always. I taught first and second together for many years. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but each time, but then I went on maternity leave. Okay. Okay. Michelle came along, so when I got back into teaching, I was given whatever classes were available, Uh, and it usually wasn't my preferred. The principal say, "What grade do you like?" I like first and second. He said, "Well, okay." Your teaching is great. You know? oh, oh, they
1: knock you down the matrix for giving birth. That
0: seems like illegal.
2: <laughs> I know, doesn't it? But, you know, it <laughs> is what it is.
0: I mean, I guess it, prob- that was back in the late 70s, early 80s. So hopefully right. things have changed since then.
2: Yeah. So that was like in 76 when I went back to teaching and um, I was teaching kids who were taller than me. Whoa. <laughs> so, strange. Now, yeah, five, three, and so I had some kids that were like five, six because they were sixth graders, you know. Wow. So uh,
1: I have a good friend who teaches elementary school and she's taught, you know, everything from K to six, and she settled on third because mm-hmm. she goes, you know, it's just a big jump from second to third. I don't have to clean up any poop. I don't have to tie. She's like, I never tie their shoelaces. They're dragging them all around the dirty bathroom floor. It's like they can tie their shoelaces, all this stuff that people never think about. Like, you know, what, what is contained within the job of a teacher. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness.
2: My favorite is, is the primary, you know, like first and second, you know, the wide eyes, what are we learning today? You know, Second graders, first graders, they're sponges. You know, they want to know everything. Yeah. Like they get third grade, they start thinking, well, you know, I know stuff already, so.
0: <laughs> <know>.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. when
0: the attitude is born.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mr. Fields um, was the principal then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. guys remember him? Yeah. And so it was, uh, I had been through lots of interviews because every time I changed schools, I had to interview with the principal. But it was the best interview ever. And since the magnet was brand new, there were going to be three classes only. So it was going to be a first and second teacher, a third, fourth teacher, and a fifth, sixth teacher. Oh! And he said, you're either going to be the one, two, or the five, six. I said, well, I want to be the one, two teacher.
0: Wow. (laughs) He said, well,
2: I can't promise you it because the other teacher hasn't decided if she wants to be primary or upper. So he said, set up your classroom for both. So the South side of my south and west side were uh first and second everything, bulletin boards. And then I had one wall um on the uh west side was my fifth, sixth grade bulletin boards. And then the other wall of course was the windows, right? Yeah. So uh day before school, uh he still said, I'm not quite sure yet, but it's oh probably God. gonna be first and second. You know, thinking oh please let me first and
0: second. <laughs> Way to, to drag room. it out.
2: <laughs> I know, but uh, Jeannie Marsden couldn't decide. So at the last minute, she said, I'll take the five, six.
0: Gotcha. Oh,
1: Marsden. Yeah. Ah, Marsden. Oh, Marsden.
0: <laughs> I, him,
2: I said, he said, the job is yours. I said, well, I have to warn you. I'm not a conventional teacher. I teach way outside the box. Yeah. He said, but your kids learn, right? Yes, it is. He said, do whatever you want to do. Within your four walls, I trust you. He said, but you're gonna need to change your wardrobe. <laughs> you know, I because I was, right? He says, You're gonna need a tailored suit <gasps> because you're gonna be dealing with Philadelphia lawyer parents, and they're oh. not going to, you know, you know, have faith in you looking like the way you do.
1: What how did so, you look? Were you just wearing like smeared animal blood on your <laughs> face and tattered
2: rags? clothes, I wear gypsy skirts
0: and sandals. I mean, well, you know. that's that's like the standard uh dress for a first grade teacher. Yeah, right? Right,
2: right. Comfortable shoes. I wasn't gonna wear pantyhose and heels. Like yeah. you know, uh-uh. I, I can't I can't I can't do the hokey pokey like that, right? Oh.
1: Tell us and some I'm of the ways. <laughs> Tell us some of the ways that you were an unconventional teacher. I don't know the difference. Clark doesn't know the difference because you were our first teacher. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, what yeah. are some of the ways that, like, that you were warning him? I'm unconventional.
2: Well, you know, the desks were supposed to be all facing forward. Mm-hmm. Ah. Okay. We had our desks in clusters, and we would push the furniture away, and we would also sit on the floor. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That was unconventional. But you can do that if you're if you're wearing sandals. You can sit on the floor with your kids. Yeah. You know? And then I went out to recess and PE with the kids, and I played with the kids. And the other teachers, they couldn't because they're in pantyhose and heels. Right. You know?
0: and, the, and
2: the male teachers were wearing dress shirts and ties in those days. Huh. You know? So I didn't quite fit. I was this weird lady you know and sometimes the uh, parents who didn't know me would walk in and they would go straight to my aide miss cook who looked was older than me right and she would say no that's the teacher <laughs> She's the teacher even at mar vista school where i was before they would walk into my aide who was like grandmother aide. they go up to her and they say she'd say she's the teacher <laughs> yes. like, that's the teacher yes she's the teacher so wow uh, the parents had to learn to trust me and know that their little darlings were in good hands and they were they were uh, learning and having a great time at the same time.
0: Well, I feel like as a parent now, my son's about to go into first grade in the fall. And uh-huh. I feel like when, when I'm sending him off to school, if he's coming home happy, yes. then I'm happy with his teacher, right? Yeah. At this yes. age, it's really yeah. about like. Are you enjoying school? And I think mm-hmm. I know my parents loved you because I was coming home every day being like, "That was great." Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so my we parents come always up with loved paint you. Stains on his shirt sometimes, so you
2: know he, he's having a lot of
0: fun. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. For,
1: it, it, that that whole concept of wearing a men's dress shirt backwards as a smock <laughs> while you paint. <laughs> Yes. That's so first grade, man. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Did yeah. you have a crew? Was there like eventually like a group of people at Welby that you were like really tight with that you would ha- go to lunch with or that you would hang out with outside of school?
2: At first, no.
0: Interesting.
2: I was, I was too much of an oddball.
1: Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah
2: uh. Uh-uh. And then, like the next year uh parents would request, you know, like um like when we started having two first and say first and second grade classes or three of them later on, the parents who heard about the year before would say "Tell the parents, I want my kid to be in this place on this room. You know? Yeah. So yeah. There was some friction because the parents were saying would say to, you know, teacher XYZ, Well, you're you're our second choice. We really wanted to be in this
1: room. Oh no. And, that's so, bad form.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that that continues for many years, you know, of people uh, being upset because parents wanted their kids in room 10. Wow. So mm-hmm. I started sharing some of my things with other teachers saying, well, you can make your class exciting too. You
1: know, like, yes, you class yes class
0: true. Class.
1: true. You know, Miss Placeon says, you know, you don't have to suck quite this much. <laughs> I have some ideas for you to be a halfway decent teacher. Did that make friends You made friends real quick after that.
2: <laughs> well, the principal kept telling me at faculty meetings, "I want you to share an idea." You know, they went. He would say, "You know, do this," and they, they'd roll their eyes like, "Oh boy, here we go again." Uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Teach outside the book get rid of your textbook yeah but the basal reader, keeps the basal readers in the closet because i never used the basal readers we always use literature huh mm-hmm. you know i would buy classes of books and that's how you read real books
0: yeah you know? totally yeah at
2: one school one time a, a student asked me let play science why do we you always tell us to put our reading book on top of our desk every morning and then at the end of the day we put it back in and we never open it you know it's just in case the principal wants to know what the reading book is he can look down and see what it is
1: that's (laughs) awesome it's for it's to satisfy the surveillance timmy
2: (laughs) just don't
1: make eye contact with the Um, corner camera i
2: hated dick and jane and janet and mark and yeah. Said right. Oh, yeah. oh, she's Costco. You know, it's like, uh, uh, that's not reading. You know,
0: it was. It's been fun too because my son started reading about a year ago, actually, and we've been kind of, re- you know, encouraging him. And it got uh-huh. to the point where we were starting to not throw away, but get rid of these older kind of kindergarteny, yes. you know, yes. boy it has ball kind of books. And I uh-huh. gave him his first novel. I gave him the Phantom Toll Booth. Oh, shut up! Really? Yeah, yeah and he was yeah. like, you know, he can get, he can't get past the first page. Yeah, but he's huh? starting the first page, and then he'll move yeah. on to the second page. Like, he'll yeah. grow into it. But I thought it would be a fun mm-hmm. thing for him to try and like grow on. You know,
1: I want to be in a book right. club with Lex, and we can read it together. Yeah,
0: he would love yeah. that.
1: Oh man, that's a good book. (laughs) So I have a question for you because one of the most impactful things on me from from being your student was that you seemed to do. I remember doing a lot of plays, Mm -hmm. and that was really where I first like zeroed in on that. I really liked acting. I really liked performing. I really liked the mechanism and. I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but I think for Martin Luther King Day in first grade, we did a play and part of it was about Rosa Parks. Right. And I played Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I always just remember being like, that was, like, you were, like, progressive in all the wrong ways. <laughs> right. but But, you know, and then we did the crayon play where we were all crayons. And yeah, I was in that. That was really impactful to me because that's really where I started, like, mm-hmm. realizing that that's what I love to do. It wasn't even like, oh, I love to do this. It was like, this feels right. Yeah. And I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. So that really set me on the path I, the yes. path that led me to hang out at Clark's house once a week. <laughs>
2: so what i learned early on that you can teach a lot of concepts with the play especially if you throw music in yeah Mm -hmm. instead of you know having it all in the neat little boxes throughout the day just write a play and it covers everything and it sticks with you so like if you could sing it say it dance it then you know it it's in you yeah
0: yeah absolutely Uh and it almost it almost feels like you know how uh, sometimes parents, when their kids are really young, like baby age, they get their ears pierced. They're like, "Oh, uh-huh, we're getting them uh-huh. pierced now, so it won't she'll never remember the pain." I also uh-huh. feel like there's an element of that where you're you are like breaking all of us free of that fear of getting up in front of people and exactly. talking or performing or singing anything uh-huh. like that. That fear of being in front of people is huge. Yeah. And I feel like we were broken of it at such an early age. Or it could have been, Clark, that you and
1: I were just never going to have a problem with yeah, it. maybe that was it too. <laughs> let's, go, <laughs> let's go ask Eric Yee how he feels today. He's like, how did you get this number?
0: <laughs> uh...
1: Oh, my goodness. What do you have? Um, I know you had a long career and it's, you know, a long, distinguished career. But are there any moments that really stick out to you? Is there ever a moment Excited. that you just thought was like amazing or awful? I yeah, guess. I know. Besides
0: all of them?
2: Let me see. <laughs> well, I always, I always liked, um, of course, all the, of the theater, theatrical stuff. Yeah. I liked it when you guys were in front of the class doing something because i i hated to be standing up in the front and everybody's staring at at me so whenever as soon as possible i would start some type of a group interaction because i mm. don't need to be in the spotlight you know for six hours seven hours a day right yeah so that's why i would i would design lessons where you guys were doing presentations we would have instant talent shows we huh. have joke time um You would do projects where you would get up and present, you know, and I just remember that we laughed a lot in class.
0: Yeah, I remember Um, that too.
2: Although, although Lori, you did spend more time than most talking (laughs) and laughing and making people laugh at your table over there by the closet.
1: Yes, which was, which which I was constantly punished for during my entire school career and which makes me famous now.
0: (laughs) That's That's
2: right. (laughs) <laughs> and there was, and there was Clark wiggling and jiggling in his seat and yes. dancing to the pencil sharpener. That's right. You know, so like I could always tell how the kids were going to end up as adults. You know, so I would try not to squash their uh, troublesome habits because I knew that it was going to be uh, a good thing down the road. You know, so yeah. Put you challenge to work even if it's something that annoys teachers? So like when it was it was time for you to go to the next class, I would try to prime the next teacher for them. Like, so they wouldn't be hard on you for, because if, if you were talkative or if you were, um, you were, uh, over enthusiastic about things or you couldn't stay in your seat. So they would allow you to be you, you know, in the next grade level. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think I ever had, a. Uh... Report card that didn't have the code for talks too much, mm-hmm. which is ironic now that I have a podcast and it's like, yeah, well, go to hell, talks too much. Mm-hmm. What a you know, shame.
2: It was on my report card, too. Parents who were, uh, I mean, the teachers were always telling my mom, she talks so much. You know, I'd
0: have to write
2: standards. I will not talk in class. Wow! I in class. Uh, I was like, okay, then I, I guess I'm gonna have to pass notes because I have things to say to Rosie, right? <laughs> and <So>. then,
0: <laughs> as when you grew up, you found a way to talk in class for the rest of your life. <laughs>
2: exactly, <laughs> and they paid me. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness, Valerie Miss Placeon, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We so just amazing have sure. such great. Sure memories of you and now it's weird like we're totally facebook friends yeah Uh, um so we know and even even though i was like before this i was like clark i don't think i can call her valerie (laughs) she's mrs (laughs) (laughs) place i will valerie thank you (laughs) yes 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 you know um i was thinking um about half an hour ago what is our common thread the three of
2: us yeah is that um We believe that it's important to keep the inner child alive and well.
0: Absolutely. it's
2: important to hang out with people who believe the same thing.
0: Absolutely. We
2: need to spread joy. You know, there's so much sadness and negativity in the world. Mm. We don't have to be down in the dumps because, you know, somebody's not getting along at the border or whatever. You know, just spread joy. Just be nice. Be kind. Like, spread it out like confetti on everybody, you know?
0: Absolutely.
2: Don't be a grow up and be a stick in the mud, grumpy old person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the motto here at uh, uh, at Shea Crozier. Shea Crozier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and for taking the time to be an awesome out-of-the-box teacher. Yeah. Uh, Because you started us off. We didn't even get in the box. So who knows how much
0: more we could have been ruined as human beings. And honestly, I was look, I was searching for another place for the rest of my school career. Right. And I Uh honestly, I didn't find one until college. Wow. It wasn't until college that I found another plaisance that was just like you. She had a mm-hmm. wonderful attitude. She was always getting us hey. to laugh and talk and uh-huh. express uh-huh. ourselves. And it was always so much fun and uh, two best teachers I ever had.
2: Yay. <laughs>
0: Excellent. So we should get the two of you together to arm
1: wrestle <laughs> to see who's the ultimate winner.
0: Right, in in my mind's bracket system. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you so, so much, Valerie. I so appreciate I mean, I appreciate you up and down in every way, but especially for taking the time to talk to us today.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Have fun. Have a good night. You too. All right, talk to you later. All right. Well, that was. Amazing! Did that you was, love that? That was so cool. I cannot tell you how surreal that was. Yeah, sitting here with you, talking <laughs> to our first and second grade teacher, Wow, the things I didn't think I'd be doing <laughs> in my forties. Right. Uh, anyway, why don't we move on? We never thought we'd live this long. <laughs> Why don't we move on to our final question of the day? Okay. Uh, this is from somebody named GamerGirl90. Okay. And GamerGirl90 has another very short question, but man, it's a powerful one. Ready? Mm-hmm. When did you decide to have or not have children? Oh, shit. Yeah. That was a deep one. This is a Clark throws this shit at me.
1: <laughs> Woo! Here we go. I... It's funny, we just talked a little bit about my horrible childhood. Yeah. Back when we were talking about uh, teaching a kid to ride a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm 45 now. Mm. I do not have any children. That's right. I have never had any children. Um, and I, I don't know that that's necessarily by choice or mm. not. Mm. I've, you know, there's a lot of. Nuance to it. You know, back in the day when I, when she was really bad in my life, yeah. I did not think I would live past, you know, 20. Wow. I did not know how I could sustain this. Yeah. And then I got on, you know, start, I got on Nickelodeon. I started my acting career that I really loved, yeah. that I felt good about. And then it was like, okay, well, now I'm going to continue to live what, you know, I'm dealing with my personal problems and I'm, you know, dealing with my weight issues and my food addiction, and then I'm dealing with my drug addiction, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah, where it's like I have never felt as though I have my shit together,
0: right?
1: You know, and part of me, well, not having my shit together, is never having chosen a good partner,
0: mm-hmm. never
1: having chosen a good, you know, boyfriend or you know, relationship that I felt good or safe in, or right. that was, you know truth true in any way right um so it just didn't happen i never you know was like oops i accidentally got pregnant
0: right um
1: and i think if i (sighs) wow this is a wallop of a question yeah and for a long time in the in the kind of all over the place but you know, back in the day, I was like, I don't want to have kids. Mm. I don't want to have kids. I don't trust that I'll be any different than my parents were.
0: Interesting. Because I felt
1: like that's so ingrained in yeah. that, that that instinct. You know how when people people are um actors and they're Australian or something and they're but they're doing an American accent. Right. But when they get angry, that's when it comes out. <laughs> right. Which that wasn't an Australian accent. Right. But if you listen to actors that are putting on an American accent and they get they're angry in a scene. You hear a lot of times their native, you know, accent come through. Pop
0: through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: that's, I remember this one time when I was living at the drug den and mm. there was a couple dogs running around.
0: Yeah, like there always were.
1: They had like, there was a scuffle. There was one that we were like, okay, keep your eye on him. Mm. Um, and then there was just kind of this scuffle, and I remember I shouted his name. I don't remember his name, but in this shrill, awful voice, and I thought, that sounds like my mother yelling
0: at me. And I was really,
1: really jarred by it, and I thought, in a moment of instinctual reaction, am I going to act in the way that was acted upon me? Right. That was a very strange sentence, but I think you guys know what I mean. I get it. In my instinct my animal instinct and the whatever am i going to be a compassionate person am i going to be able to you know have dominion over myself right or am i just going to revert to what i grew up with right and i remember really thinking at that moment when i was like yelling and i was i was i wasn't like yelling at the dog but no. it was like you know there was a dog issue i got in the middle of it right but that came out of me and I was so unsettled by that.
0: Wow.
1: That I really thought like, no, I shouldn't have kids. I can't trust myself huh. to, I, I, well, I take the risk. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And that's when I was in my 20s. Yeah. I was, you know, 20,
0: 22, 23, 24, something like that. And to be honest, you know, I, I don't know if you really were ready at that point. You know, we were using your there was a lot of reasons why that wasn't a good time in your life. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, besides the fact that that choice. You know, I've never been somebody who's like, I just want to have a baby no matter what. Right. The the kind of um woman that might say, you know, if I'm not with someone when I'm 31, I'm gonna go to a sperm bank. Right. I'm gonna have a donor and I'm gonna have a baby. You know, I've never been like that. I think what I've wanted, I know what I've wanted, is to start to start a family, to start roots of my own. Yes. Because, and as much as this is like lame, because of course I come from where I come from and my, there are family members of mine who are alive and kicking and whatever, but I always felt like if I could start. Yeah. Of a, a family, if I could put roots. Yeah. And change things. Then that's what I would be interested in. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of the whole, the whole package. And I just never, you know, I haven't of the, of the few relationships I've had, yeah none of them have been any good.
0: No, but clearly one of them finally got you to realize what you really wanted. Right. Cause if you were in your twenties, and you're yelling at a dog saying, well, I don't, I never want to be my mom. Yeah. So I clearly can't have a kid. Yeah. And you got to the point eventually where you're like, no, you know what? It's not that I'm so hungry for a kid, but I would really love a family. Yeah. I'd love to build and start a family. Then clearly, even if the, the guys that you were dating weren't right for you, which they clearly were <laughs> not. Uh, they at least got you to change your mind about that and put you in a more, I think, a more reasonable, uh, uh, uh sp- headspace. Like, yes, where you're you're realizing that you're not baby crazy, certainly, but you wouldn't ha- necessarily turn into your mom if you had a kid. Yeah, that well, you could handle it.
1: A lot of, a lot of the information has come, like we we're just talking about with Ryan being yeah. sober. Yeah. And getting sober and finding some tools to live my life by. And I am now, and this is from other people, like I help people all the time. I am compassionate. I am calm. I am looking at things from your point of view. I am looking to keep things copacetic, Yeah, you know? And I don't mean like, oh, not, you know, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't mean that. And the amount that I'm able to do for other people that people say, God, thank you so much for helping me with this or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'm so impressed how you did that project, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Then that kind of said to me like, yeah, I could. I. This is how I am. Right. This is how I am. It yes. takes work. Yeah. And it takes patience, but so does being a fucking parent if you don't want to be the worst.
0: That's absolutely right. Or
1: if you're doing the best you can and you just happen to be the worst, (laughs) I know. But we throw that in. um, (laughs) Just is going to get like a a hate letter from like abusive parents of America. (laughs) The weirdest super PAC ever. So, but then I also have friends. Um. Who don't have kids? Yeah, and especially this this one couple I know, um, who just were so generous and did so much for so many other people, and it's like they don't have kids. Yeah, they you know that energy went somewhere else. Right, that time that you know
0: love that, and care, all
1: of that stuff, you know that people normally put into their family, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, you know they're giving out to the world. Yeah. And it's like, Which is, is pretty that my thing awesome. too? And I also don't mean like, they're going to Zimbabwe right. to look for landmines and feed, you know, starving cats. Right. They're also you know? not
0: running into random Chipotles and being like, I'm buying everyone burritos. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's just being these, you know, generous wonderful people that have Tying resources, their friends, you know yeah and they have the resources and not just monetary but like time wise compassion wise yeah. all that kind of stuff I used to say like their life has low overhead yeah
0: yeah that's very true you know yeah
1: and maybe that's me too I haven't decided to not have kids yeah. I'm 45. I don't know if that is even a possibility. And yes, I know, don't write in. I know you can have in vitro till 49 and I could adopt 10 babies tomorrow. And all of that stuff. But the question was like specifically about when did you decide Decide to have or not have kids? Yeah. And I didn't. I mean, I went through all of these different kind of stages and thought processes that we've just talked about, but. um,
0: You would have been comfortable with that idea I think for a while now if it ever if it did ever come up if you did find the right guy, yeah, I think you would have been comfortable having a kid and it might have scared the shit out of you when you were pregnant yeah, but I think we could have calmed you especially your friends that do have kids could have easily calmed you down and yeah yeah you know yeah. the the whole point is to be better than your parents so you know? um,
1: yeah I'm not I'm not ruling things out yeah. But I'm 45 and there's no dick in me right now. So, um,
0: (laughs) Although, I don't know, we're getting, hopefully going to get some pictures from the other LB out there.
1: Was that a heartfelt way to wrap up my tender story (laughs) of my entire life? Um, Yeah, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I didn't make a choice at any point. Yeah, I've just been kind of doing the best I can and here I am today.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, the most honest answer that you could give. And even though it's not your, it's not like gamer girl is had a second part to this question. Like, you know, because I'm thinking about blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, She just wants to know when you decided to have or not have it. So honestly, I feel like your response is probably what most people's response is. If it comes, I think I'll be ready for it, but it's not like. You're, you're you're pulling your hair out trying to get it to happen or make yeah. it happen when it's not natural. Yeah. So I think that's wonderful. But uh, hopefully you did too, Gamer Girl. Uh, I hope you all had a great time. That was it. That, that was it? our final question. So we can wrap things up here. Uh, if you guys out there have a question or a decision that's weighing heavily on you, please send it to us and let LB ease your burden. We really do love all the questions you guys send us. If you've got a good one, send it to us at askglorybeth.com. You can go follow us on all the socials at Ask Lori Beth, or just leave us a message with your name and where you're from at 1-855-336-2374. That's 1-855-D-E-N-B-E-R-G or 1-855-Denberg. And you can find me
1: at LBDenberg on Instagram. At Lori Beth Dumberg on Twitter. And there is a Lori Beth Dumberg fan page on Facebook. That's right. Uh, You do have a few more days to get in a uh, Father's Day shout out to your father for his day. Last minute. You can book me for that at cameo.com slash Lori Beth.
0: Or Flag Day. Flag Day's around here too. I
1: do get a lot of Flag Day requests. Yeah.
0: Just throwing that out there.
1: So, uh, yeah. I just, I really appreciate, God, I'm kind of bummed out now, man. Oh, sorry. Gamer girl. <laughs> I I, I, was, I almost said, gamer girl, you gotta take me out for a drink. And I'm like, I'm sober. <laughs> God damn it. Is there no relief for my life? Uh, no, I, I appreciate that question. Yeah. It, it makes me think, Clark loves to wallop me with weird shit out of nowhere. <laughs> You're so good, man.
0: I've got some good ones right in the back pocket, too. Exactly,
1: but I want to wish Clark oh, yes. a happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you. And uh happy Father say to all the fathers out there
0: absolutely
1: and thanks for stopping
0: by talk to you guys next week Three seven four and leave your question there. Thanks for listening.